Hello and welcome to the Junk Monk Podcast. I'm your host Candace Sloan, who you know from Instagram at Hardens and Hard Hats. And I'm John H., your guest host, who you know from this podcast. If this is your first time listening, let me fill you in. I am picking up where the Drunk Monk podcast left off, hosted by Keiko Agena and Will S. Choi. I was a big fan of their podcast and was really sad to see that they stopped making their show, so I decided to pick it up and continue from where they left off. So here's the thing. Will and Keiko did their show a little drunk, and we're going to do our show with a little junk. So I've got my junk food here. I have a Slim Jim and a random lollipop that I found in the pantry. And I have a Chico Stick which is a crunchy peanut butter rolled in toasted coconut, one of my favorite old-school candies. Also, you must know, I have seen every episode of Monk. I'm a huge fan. Started watching it about 2007 and, for the most part, watched it as it aired. I've seen every episode as well. Um, I've watched it one time through all the way, and then I like to binge-watch every now and again. Um, That's it for this intro. So, Toby, if you're ready, let's start the show. So if you didn't read the title, this is our second bonus episode of the show. And like I said before, we picked up right where Keiko and Will left off their show, which was early season four of Monk. So we thought we'd come back and uh, do some early Monk recap, just so you can get a feel for our thoughts on the show as we progress. And hopefully any callbacks made about previous episodes will be a little easier to follow. For sure. This episode, we are going to do a Monk Season 2 countdown from our least favorite episodes to our most favorite. We're also going to share some season highs and lows and some Monkisms that we have learned this season. So, are you ready for some Monkisms? Yeah, I have my list here. Um, so, what do you want to start with? Let's start with phobias. All right. One thing that we do learn in this season is there's actually a list of phobias. Yes. Uh, We see this in, I think it's the Very, Very Old Man episode where Monk is afraid of snakes, right? And then he gets scared and he climbs on top of the table. True Monk fashion. Yeah, he he wants Stottlemyre to carry him, I think. Yes. Or come up there on the table with him. (laughs) Yeah. And then he lists the... He lists the, the list, the list. Do you want to say the list? Yes. He uh, he says, germs, needles, milk, death, snakes, then mushrooms, heights, crowds, and elevators. So I like that he breaks that down for us just so we know exactly <laughs> where he lands on does that. Does he say that? Does he say he le- left the list at home? Or maybe that's a different episode. That might be a different one yeah, where he yeah, says, yeah. I forget. Oh, it is, it is, mm-hmm. it is. I remember which one it is. Um so some other things that we see are, oh, this is the one I was thinking of, where it's the crime scene on the top of the roof, which is the season premiere, right, where yep. he goes to the school. He mentions that there is a list, that he left it at home. Right. So I don't know if this is maybe a plot hole? What would you call that? Where it doesn't mat- quite match up with uh, maybe a... Um, because he says that like his worst nightmare is like his fourth or fifth worst nightmare on there. Yes, right, right. But his height is what is that like sixth or seventh on the list? Yes, because Stottlemyre says, "Oh, a crime scene on a roof. That must be your worst nightmare." And then he says, fourth or fifth." Right. All right. I didn't bring the list. Yep. So either he forgot the list, which Monk doesn't really forget. So that's kind of one of those things, right? Um, but well, you got to remember too. That's episode one. 
And then as we get further on, what's the very, very old man? Like episode five. Yeah. So that's I don't true. know. The so maybe the list changed. Maybe, maybe it changed. Bit. It yeah. could have changed. Uh, so we do know that he does have a fear of crime scenes on the roof. That is at least somewhere on the list. Uh, do you do you have anything else? I know that he, uh, you know, kind of getting outside of the list, he obviously is scared of many other things. So sidewalk cracks. So whenever he's walking. Yep. Oh, and we see that in the mm-hmm. intro. Is that in this intro? I know we see it later for yeah. sure when he's walking. Again, this is when he goes to school. Yeah. And all the the pavers are all misshapen, and so he's afraid to step on the cracks. Well, and what's funny is that when he's doing that, he's, like, carrying on a conversation, and he's just, like, walking and just, like, oh, oh. Like, it's, like, a super normal thing for him, but for everyone else, they're, like... Um, what else do we have? Oh, we know that he gets stage fright. When he goes to the theater and he acts uh, and he has stage fright, he doesn't at first, but then Gail puts it in his head that, oh, everyone's fine in rehearsals. And then we see him go out there and completely have the biggest case of stage fright ever. Yeah. And what's funny is what what's tough is that his phobias, some of them are like really sad and you're like, oh man, I feel for this guy. And then other ones turn into like great comedy. Yeah. So, Maybe we'll see that later on. Yeah, <laughs> um, I would think scared of naked people would yeah. count as that. We see that when I think it's Mr. Monk in the ball game, and they go to the art class, mm-hmm. and the the model is the teacher, right? And he's naked in the front, and he just wants to give up on the case because the guy's naked, and Which, he just who wouldn't be scared of that though? So that kind of falls into right. <laughs> also, we know that. Oh, this is what I was going to say. So Sharona actually mentions in one of the episodes where when she's afraid of elephants. Yes. Right? Yes. She has her own kind of sort of little list where whenever Monk says that her fears are irrational, she says, my fears are irrational. You're afraid of milk, sidewalk cracks, and wind? And then Monk says, well, wind can kill people. Hurricane Edna, come on. <laughs> so so Sharona gives us a nice little list right there. And then do we have anything else? Uh, just the kids at the Benji's birthday party. Oh, yeah. Uh, whenever Sharona comes and she's like, Monk, what are you doing? And he's hiding in the kitchen and he's sitting on the floor. And what does he say? Um, I'm playing a game called... Are they gone yet or something? It's called Are They Gone Yet? Are they gone yet? <laughs> and so we do know he is he is afraid of he's obviously not afraid of kids. Uh like, general, like Benji. Like Benji. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But at the party when the, there's a bunch of rambunctious boys running around, he's he's terrified of that. Um okay, we do have one more thing is that he's claustrophobic. We do see that whenever he goes to jail. He's very claustrophobic and doesn't want to be in, right. in the prison because he True. says, I don't want to be in here. It's like a prison. And she's like, it is a prison. Yeah. So that's our, uh, I, we might have missed something, obviously, because Monk has a lot of phobias, but that's that's the phobias. So what do we have next? Um, eccentricities. Okay. All so right. So some things that maybe are just a little, little weird mm-hmm. about there. So um, for one... I think most of his phobias were listed. So the fact that he lists all of his fears in a nice, neat list is a little eccentric. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Um, How about he only drinks Sierra Springs? 
Yes. That's, yeah. That becomes this is extremely highlighted when he goes to Mexico. <laughs> yes, and he yes. won't drink. He mm-hmm. won't drink any of the other bottles because the guy mentions every brand that they possibly Somehow. could ever have. We have this one. We have Evian. We have Aquafina. No, 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 no. Like, we have this. It's the same water, sir. Just a different label. Who knows that? Mm, no. Yeah. Other than Monk, who knows that? <laughs> yeah. Um, what else do we have? Uh, packs obscure amounts of luggage. So, again, Mexico, when he's packing and he's, like, just packing <laughs> everything in there. He packs he all the water pop- bottles, all, the- all of his food, <laughs> all of his clothes and his pillows and his pillowcases and his sheets and everything. Yep, yep. that's true. Um, he cleans and vacuums at nighttime, like, through the night. I think we hear, I think we hear of this twice. I know there's one, at least, where Stottlemyre says... Um, he was cleaning whenever right. he stays over with him at yep. night, right? And uh-huh. he says, oh, he was cleaning all through the night. So yep. that's when we kind of learned that. And then there was another incident. And with his neighbor. Yes. And, and the, when they got, mm-hmm. with the paper boy. Mm-hmm. When the paper boy gets murdered, he's like, I was vacuuming at 4 a.m. Because, oh, because they he asked, what hear, were you he doing? He didn't hear the murder. Well, he didn't hear the murder right outside <laughs> the door. He goes, oh, you were sleeping? I was vacuuming. <laughs> <laughs> so sad. Um, a, a really strange one, and somehow, I don't even know how this is possible, but he's only seen himself <laughs> naked once. So, there's oh that. Oh my gosh, that's too much. Yep. Which, again, we see whenever they go to the art mm-hmm. class, and then uh, Sharona says, what, have you never seen a naked man before? And he says, once. <laughs> and then, um, this is kind of one we we know before. And that would be the pat down. Yeah. Um, so I start because I started writing this one down, and I was like, "Oh, look at him! He doesn't like the pat down." But then I remembered Mr. Monk in the airplane. He doesn't want the TSA agent to touch mm-hmm. him. Where he's like or, tilting over, yeah, with the wand. Right. And so he doesn't want to be patted down then either. So yeah. I was like, "Oh, dang!" But it was still funny, so I wanted to mention it. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't like the pat down. The next thing we have here would be quotes and catchphrases. Yeah. Um... Since you really, really, really know Monk a lot better than I do, you you might be able to speak to this more. But uh, the new Monk theme song and what that means to the show. Oh, yeah. It's a big one. Um, so, you know, season one, they have the, the standard, um, what it would be like an instrumental song. Okay. And then season two, they come out with a bang with the Randy Newman song. It's a jungle out there. It's very, um, upbeat and like comical sounding, I guess you could say. Yeah, they, they definitely, they came out with a new theme song and that is the theme song for the rest of the continuing seasons. And they make a nod to it in the episode with the TV star. The TV star. Right? Yeah. Do you remember that? Because mm-hmm. uh, who's the actress who plays that? It's Sarah Silverman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where she runs up there and she's like, don't ever change the theme song. When oh. she's talking to the TV star as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know. Because she gives Sharona. Oh, she's talking to Sharona. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She says, don't ever, tell them to, you know, getting them to sign a, like a petition. petition to say, yeah, don't ever change the theme song. Obviously a nod to the new theme song. Yeah. And then at the very end, we see her say to Monk, promise me if you ever get a TV show, you won't change the theme song. And he says, I promise. So, which he broke that promise just to be clear. Well, technically after season two, he did not change the theme song. That's, yeah, that's true. (laughs) Plot hole. 
Um, for the first time this season, as it was kind of reintroduced in season two versus season one, but he says it's a gift and a curse. Yes. So yeah. what does he say in the first one? It's he, a blessing. Yep. A blessing mm-hmm. and a curse. Yeah. So in season two, he says it's a gift and a curse, which is a great line that kind of carries you throughout really the entire series. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. I like I like his quote, and it's also a nod to the theme song, where he goes, "I don't think so." Yeah. And you know, but and same thing in the theme song, you know, but I don't think so. So that's a that's a fun kind of. How have I just realized that? I did not know that. Yeah. That's not even funny. What my mind is blown. Yeah. Oh my gosh. But I love, I love like. Oh my gosh. Okay. Just Tony Shalhoub's like the way he delivers that is just great. Yeah, when he's very that's like the oblivious monk, or because uh, like in the oblivious monk moments, where they're like monk, it is this way, and he's like, yeah, I don't think so. But then you've got other instances. I like it when he's like treats them like they're stupid because <laughs> they're like ask him to. Do. I can't think of like exactly what he's again, but it's like whenever they tell him like, oh, this or this, and he's like. I don't think so. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like to do something. Yeah. I can, yeah, I know. Like, I can't can you hear me. yourself right now? You sound so stupid. Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. No, yeah, that's good. Um, One thing, too, that I noticed um, that I wasn't 100% sure, I guess, on season two is when he starts it where he wipe and he snaps. Yeah, again, that could have been something that we missed. But I remember, I want to say it's in Mr. Monk and the Ghost of the Circus. Because Sharona is ignoring him at that moment. And it's very evident whenever he says wipe and then snaps. And there's... And she's not there. Yeah. So that kind of... It was just like a moment that stood out to me because of that. And then the last one is... And this one's uh, this one's a pretty good catch, I might say. Okay. Um, it's whenever he is talking to someone. Again, sorry. It's probably in season one, too, because I'm thinking back. But it's still a good one. Whenever he talks to someone, either in person or over the phone, mm-hmm. and when he basically over-explains that it's him, so he'll say, like, hello, this is Adrian, you know, Monk. And they're like, I know it's you, Monk. Or, you know, whether he's talking to Sharona, who literally knows him, knows him. Yeah. all the time. It's I know it's always you. Like, no one else calls me. Of course it's Adrian. Of course it's Monk, whatever. But then sometimes with strangers, he does the same thing. When he's talking to them face to face, he just says, hello, this is Adrian or, you know, hello, my name's Adrian, you know, monk. Monk. (laughs) (laughs) Like, yeah, we know. Um, so what else do we have? Okay. So the next thing would be Trudy's case, right? We talked about things in season one that we learned about Trudy's case and I kind of mixed in... I kind of mixed in things that aren't necessarily about Trudy's case, but some things that we learn about Trudy in general, just in case those things are relevant as we continue on with the show, right? So in the first episode of the season, it actually kind of comes out with a bang because when he goes to school... That's all about... Yeah, it's Trudy's alma mater, Mm -hmm. uh, her high school alma mater, right? And so we learn a couple of things about her that I want to say this is the first time we've ever heard her maiden name which is Ellison, right? So yeah, Trudy yeah, yeah. Ellison. And then do you remember what else we learned about her at the school? Yeah, I mean, really kind of all of the stuff that does center around. So the fact that she was valedictorian, um, that she was on yearbook, 
So mm-hmm. those yeah. sort of things of just kind of a background that's not really relevant or necessary for her story, but just things that we did learn about her being in school. Yeah. Is that the one where they have the tree? Trudy's tree yeah. and mm-hmm. he sits underneath the tree and reads the poems and that's where she would write poetry and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. So there's, there's another Trudy, Trudyism. One really big thing that I would say maybe does relate to the case is we learned that Trudy was in the car because Adrian's brother Ambrose had asked her to go get cough medicine. So, you know, we learned that in Mr. Monk and the Three Pies. I mean, I don't... Honestly, like, when I say these things, I honestly don't remember what they have to do at the end because I think I've seen the final episode once. Um, so I honestly don't remember. But I figured that it would be um, it would be something good to add since it directly is related to her being in the car and why she was in the car. Right. At least up to the knowledge that we have now. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, whenever uh, he goes to prison... Whenever Monk goes to prison and he's dealing with Dale the Well and getting information. So Dale tells him that the bomb was actually, you know, I guess up until this point, Monk has assumed it was for him because he was the detective. You know, he was all of this stuff. So he's been carrying that around for him for whatever, seven years or so, six years. And so Dale explains to him that the bomb was not meant for him, that it actually was intended for Trudy which obviously devastates him, but also angers him because now he wants to figure out who it was. Um, And then it sends him to New York to look for um, somebody who was involved in that. Right. And also, does that not mean that Dale the Whale knows everything? Right. Is, am I, like, he's like, oh, well, I mean, I don't know, but I do know that the bomb was made for Trudy. Like, really, bro? You know everything. You, oh my gosh, I can't stand that guy. Yeah. Let's move on. When you when get me to start talking about Dale, I can't handle. Let's do the last thing, which is, okay, that he, okay, I feel dumb because I was re-watching it and the people I was watching it with were like, you never noticed that? I never noticed that he keeps his table crooked, his coffee table, because Stottlemyre tries to move it back. And he try, he fixes it, and Stottlemyre puts it back, and then he, he well, I say fixes it, he puts it purposely crooked. But, you know, Stottlemyre says, Monk, everything in your entire apartment is at a right angle. Why is this table like this? And he just says, it has to be. And then at the end of that episode, you see that Trudy was sitting on the couch with him, like in this little flashback, and she says, are you tired? And he says, yes. And then so he, like, puts his head on her lap and mm-hmm. she scoots the table toward her and she makes it crooked and then she puts her feet on the table. And so it was like a sweet moment. Like that was the entire reason. Is yeah. that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So that's the reason that the table is crooked. So, I mean, I guess she, 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 she didn't leave it like that. But no, but it would take it back to that moment to the, those moments whenever he would okay. lay there with Trudy with his head on her on her lap. Yeah. Oh. And so it, it takes him back to those moments. So when he sees that, it's that it, it brings back that memory versus just a coffee table sitting in your living room, you know, or a picture. It's It, it gives you that realis, realism to the coffee table. So yeah, that's pretty cool. That's true. Yeah. Also sad. Yeah. But Don't get me started talking about Trudy. I'll oh, cry. Candace Dale, is, I get angry. Trudy, I cry. Candace Sloan over here with the tears in her eyes. Okay. Aww. Um, don't, don't. Okay. Um, okay. I added another 
added another topic because, again, just as the Trudy case is a very centric part to the entire series, right? It kind of keeps the show moving forward. We also have the badge, right? So Monk is trying to get his badge back. And um, admittedly, it's a very small thing. Uh, it, you know, only has like one bullet point, but we see his second reinstatement possibility, right? So in the first season, we have where he has his actual like reinstatement hearing uh, Stottlemyre's called in to testify and Stottlemyre can't bring himself to recommend Monk for the police department. So we see that and that's pretty devastating, right? And then this next time we see another reinstatement possibility where he there's a loophole in um, that was in the Missing Granny where we see the loophole where he can be reinstated easily. All he has to do is claim disability and... Um, answer, you know, a few questions on this exam and then he's good to go. And then we ultimately know that he doesn't, that doesn't happen for him. Right. So, uh, that's just a quick little thing about the badge. And then do you want to, yeah, next thing we have is, um, are the monk relationships. So we get to see, um, some people that are in his life maybe before we get to know monk. Yeah. So we see in the season opener that, um, we're introduced to Trudy's alma mater, right, where she goes to school, where she went to school in high school, um, which helps us remember that Trudy's murder is the premise of the show, right? So basically, whenever a season <laughs> premiere happens, they're trying to catch up everybody who's just now starting to watch the show. We see the reintroduction of her character because I remember when they're on the roof and Stottlemyre and Randy are talking to each other. Randy makes, like, the most obvious comment ever and says, like, you know, Trudy Monk, you know, his late, well, his ex, his, you know, his dead. And then Stottlemyre's like, Randy, I know who Trudy Monk is. But they're trying to introduce us, you know, people who haven't seen it. They're trying to reintroduce us to Trudy's character and kind of catch everybody up. So, Okay, next we have um, Stottlemyre and Monk, the conflict. So the obvious one being that they never believe Monk. Yeah. They always are like, no, you don't know what you're talking about. And then at the end, they have his back completely as he solves the case. Yeah. And so it's like, okay, cool. But in season one, we know that that obviously is kind of that tension there. And then as you get to the end of the show, you, you find this is like, okay, it's starting to relieve a little bit. But then, boom, right off the bat, they go up into the clock tower on the first episode. Mm -hmm, and he's going... Yeah okay, what did we not account for? You know, what did we not do? Because he knows Monk is coming, Stoudemire. And he says, yeah. well, you know, what did we not do? Because mm -hmm. Monk's coming. And so you start to see that, like, almost competition. Obviously, Monk doesn't see it as a competition. But Stoudemire sees it as a competition, sees it as Monk showing him up. And so that conflict right off the bat for newcomers is put in your face again. Yeah, that's totally, you're totally right about that. Um Sharona wants to be called his colleague and not his assistant. So I think an interesting thing about Sharona is that she she doesn't put herself... She is his nurse, but and she is his assistant, but she sees herself as an equally important part to everything that he's doing. Although Monk, as we know, doesn't always see it that way. I think as the season progressive, he does begin to see it that way. He does begin to respect her as a colleague and not just a wipe assistant that 
she technically is, but they become more friends and rely on each other a lot more. Um, yeah, I kind of see that as a little bit of a roller coaster also. I feel like he goes back and forth a lot where because she demands respect and then it goes, you know, a few episodes where she is very much the assistant nurse role. And then she'll go through another one where, you know, she gives the summation or she helps solve the case or she does her own little detective work where it goes back up again and she sees herself as a colleague and Monk sees her that way also. So I feel like that is a little bit of a roller coaster ride between the two of them. They're kind of power struggle on their own. Also with Stottlemyre, right, we see, like we said, at the beginning of season one, first episode, they come out with a bang. We see that Stottlemyre does not want Monk on the case. And then in The Sleeping Suspect, I want to say that's like episode seven around there. We see him. I mean, he's straight up using Monk, right? Oh, yeah. 100%. Okay. So, which is funny because like we said in, in, you know, season one, Stottlemyre, I feel like he, what his real problem with Monk is, is that everyone over him, like, the mayor, the mayor, right? They have another one where it's like the lieutenant governor, I think. Yeah. There's people over Stoudemire who are calling Monk in for him basically to do his job. Like he goes to Mexico. Right. Because the mayor. Yeah. Yeah. Because the mayor asks him to, right? So we see those small shifts in Stoudemire's like thinking where instead of Monk doing his job for him by someone else's request that when Stottlemyre can use him at his own request, that is when he's like, get the guy monk, do it, basically do my job for me because in the sleeping suspect, we see that an ATF agent who's not a very nice dude, he gets involved and he says, you know, we have jurisdiction over this, whatever. And Stottlemyre says, Hey monk, buddy, old pal. And they kind of look at him like, really, dude? What like, what are you, you know? <laughs> and it's very obvious that he wants to use Monk to get the guy to impress the ATF agent or to, you know, outdo him, get him off his back or whatever. Yeah. And I think that um, part of that relationship, though, is that, I mean, we all know, Stottlemyre knows that Monk is better than him. Yeah. And so it's like, it, but as as with anyone, we don't always like to hear the truth. So it's like he doesn't always want people calling in over him and saying, hey, take this guy who's better than you, you know. And so even though he knows it, he doesn't like it shoved in his face. So in this instance, he knows Monk is better, but it's not being shoved in his face. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah. Um, Let's see. Let's do something else about Stottlemyre. Um, This is, I believe, where we get introduced to his wife. I don't remember seeing her in the first episode. Or sorry, in the first season, um, but she does. If this is her first introduction, apologies if I'm wrong. But in the very, very old man, we see her being introduced because she makes the documentary about the old man. They have a huge fight where Stottlemyre ends up on Monk's couch, and so you kind of see this is kind of the introduction to their relationship that it's not always the best that they fight, that they also have very stark differences between them. Like lifestyle. Like lifestyles. He likes guns and she doesn't like guns. He's a a police officer. (laughs) She gives him like the fountain for his office and the dream catcher and all these things where it's like 
that is not Stottlemyre, no. you know? Yeah. So it's a very, it's a very good introduction to how different they are. Do you remember the other time we see the captain's wife? Yeah, we see her in the captain's wife. Um, in that one, they obviously also still fight because that seemingly is the relationship that they have. Oh, about the camera yeah, at the beginning. The yeah, she wants and a new camera for exactly. her documentaries. And he's like, we have no money, which, hey, you don't have any money. But she takes that as you don't believe in me, you know, mm-hmm. the whole thing. So they're obviously fighting and doing all of this stuff. But whenever she gets in a car accident, he goes after whoever, whenever, whatever. Although sometimes, like, I feel like he lost his temper a lot of times and acted irrationally, whatever. But that's because he had just such devotion for her that he was going to do whatever it took. You know, his his mind was, like, not there. Mm-hmm. His mind was with her and was like, that's all he could think about. So whenever it came time to do actual police work, he couldn't focus on that. So he had to just go for it. So his love and his protection for her was, like, over the top. Even though they fight all the time, he really, really, really loved. Her. I think at one time point he broke down to Monk, and was like, "What am what What do I do without her?" And so it's like that's like a big moment that shows that relationship that they have, but also the relationship between Monk and Stottlemyre, of you know that true friendship where it's it's not just a working relationship, but it crosses that line into friendship as well. Yeah, let's end with some Monk stuff, okay? His family, right? We see Ambrose. For yes. the first time, which is great. Uh, so we get some insight as to why Ambrose is how he is, but great insight for why Monk is the way that he is. Right. Which we'll talk about a lot more in The Three Pies when we talk about that. But we actually do get to see his parents a little bit. Yeah. Um, we see, I think, a do we see a picture in this one? Yeah, because they're all standing apart. Yes. And they're like, mm-hmm. do y'all always stand that far? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, that's true. We know that his dad ran out on him. He went. To, what did he say? He went to go get Chinese food and then he never comes back. Yeah. I want to say. Yeah. And then the last thing would be that his mother died in 1994. Right. That's pretty much all we know about her. I mean, besides that, she's very... Uh, uh, like affectionate, unaffectionate, unaffectionate, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not affectionate. Like never touched him at all. Yeah, never touched. And was very, and I think that that's where they got all of their stuff from was her, their mom, mm-hmm. where they were saying like, I don't remember exactly, but I know he referred to his mom as being super organized or something. Yeah, like that as well. Yeah. So we have a couple of different. We have a couple more relationships, um, but. I think we're going to talk about those when we talk about the episodes. Right. So I okay. think I think we're good. We're good to move on. I think we're good to move on. Yeah. Let's start with our countdown. All right. Toby, cue the music. We don't have music for this. <laughs> no, I didn't think we did. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Our number 16 ranked episode. So the, the least ranked. I, I do like how I've been listening to you. Um, on the the previous episodes and everything and how everything's a 10 and then you go up from there so just because this is number 16 doesn't mean it's bad it's yeah. just doesn't doesn't mean it doesn't deserve yeah. a 10 this right? is like a 10.5 at least right yeah. so there we go we work up from there okay mr monk and the very very old man this is the fifth episode in season two In the open, we see a very, very old man about to celebrate his 115th birthday. However, 
His life was cut too short when someone sneaks into the nursing home bedroom and suffocates him with his own pillow. The old man's name was Miles Holling. Captain Sottlemyre's wife, Karen, had once made a documentary about him and suspects foul play. Monk is called in and confirms her suspicions. During this episode, Stottlemyre is openly peeved that his wife is detecting things that he is not, and they are in a huge fight that leads to Captain Stottlemyre sleeping on Monk's couch. In order to make up with Karen, Leland finally watches his wife's documentary about hauling and cracks the case. He realizes that five years prior, there had been a community time capsule. It wasn't supposed to be dug up for a hundred years. However, the mayor had made a declaration that if Miles Holling had lived to be 115, he would dig it up and add another chapter to his autobiography. Dennis Gamble, one of the mayor's staff members, had written a letter to future generations and put it inside the capsule. His letter was a confession about a hit and run that he had committed and never been convicted for. So in order to have this letter never be uncovered, he killed a security guard for his badge to get into the nursing home, and then killed Miles Holling. Adding to his tally, he is now a triple murderer. He is cuffed after the time capsule is uncovered, and his letter is read for all to hear. So, Candace, what did you like about this episode? Okay, so I thought... Okay, I'm going to do my little scenes. I like the scenes. Oh um, it was hilarious when Stottlemyre is redoing his office, right? Whenever, because like we said, him and Karen don't have the same interests. And so whenever Randy says, Captain, your wife's here, Stottlemyre says, okay, stall her. And so he gets out the dream catcher and hangs it on his computer. He gets the crystals. And then she had given them <laughs> this waterfall feature that's supposed to go on his desk. And he hadn't turned it on, so he puts it on the desk, and then he pours his coffee into the thing. And then so whenever she finally comes in there, she's like, oh, you like all your stuff? And he's like, yeah, it's great. And she's like, is that coffee? And he's like, yeah, it's a coffee fall. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I don't know. I do like that. One of the ones that I have here is that monk sitting in the chairs in the uh, mayor's office. (laughs) I have that one, too. And he's like, "Uh, can we switch chairs? And then they switch, and then he has a switch back, and it, the whole time trying to convince the mayor that he knows what he's talking about. And, That's true. I didn't think about so that. So it really makes him look like, what a psycho. Well, he says, the, he says tassels. This chair has tassels. This That one doesn't have tassels, so I need that one. And then and then they switch. And he tries to get Sharona to switch with Stottlemyre. He's like, but I have to sit next to her now. But, yeah, I like the tassels because he keeps saying it. He's like, this one doesn't have tassels. That one has tassels. There's a lot of tassels. And then Trona says, would you please stop saying tassels? (laughs) (laughs) I I like that one. Um, So then my next one would be when Karen actually has really good evidence of of why she thinks Miles Holling was killed because of the bed and then the book on his chest and all of that. Um, I actually really like that. But the funny part was when Stottlemyre says – People 115 years old die. It's like their job. <laughs> it's kind of true. <laughs> That's so mean, but it is, it's kind of true. So after that, where Stottlemyre get kick, gets kicked out and then is staying with Monk, you have the big scene about the alarm clock where Stottlemyre says it like something like 753 oh, gosh. or something stupid. And then Monk is like, uh, how about you just set it for seven? He's like, well, seven's too early. But how about eight o'clock? Eight o'clock's too late. And then he just keeps going back and forth. But then the monk 
And uh, Stottlemyre goes, okay, on a scale of 1 to 10, how important is this for you? And Monk's like, 8. Oh, oh. <laughs> that was too that? much. Oh, that's actually annoys me, though, <laughs> whenever he goes, all right, I'll set it for 7, 7 o'clock or whatever, but then I'll his... turn the clock back, so then it'll really ring at the wrong time. And Monk's like, why? Like, why did you have to say that? Yeah. Just don't tell Just... him that the clock is off. I don't that one, that one gets me every time. This one's... I don't know why I think this is so funny, but I think it is. Whenever um, the old man... The old man's son. Yeah. Right? He, oh. go, he goes... I don't know why this is so funny. The old man with dementia is funny to <laughs> you? <laughs> <laughs> yes, he is. And he... The, Stottlemyre and Randy are questioning him. Or, you not questioning, but, you know, they're talking to him. And they're like, so your dad, uh, you know, he's... He died. I don't know. I don't know how to set this up. But Samantha says, 114. Now that's old, but it's still too young to die. You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I can't. I don't. I don't know. It's I don't know why I think that's so funny, but I think it is. And he says it twice. (laughs) But it's still too young to die. Uh, that's that's all of the stuff I've listed here. But um, yeah. when Monk is making pot roast for dinner, he wants Stottlemyre to call. He says, "Cause they're staying together." Oh my goodness. And he wants him to call. He's like, "Are you gonna Are you gonna come home for dinner?" And he's like, "I don't know." And he's like, "Well, what time will you be home?" And he's like, "I don't know. I'll call you." And he's like, "Well, I'm making a pot roast, so I need to know what time." And he's like, "I'll call." And Monk's like, "That's what you said last time." <laughs> like an old married couple. <laughs> Oh, man, that's, that's good. And then the last one would be the vacuum lines when they're at their breaking point and Stoudemire freaks out on Monk uh, because, oh, because Stoudemire had just vacuumed. Right. And then so Monk revacuums and he's like, I just vacuumed that. And he's like, oh, it's okay. And he's like, I just vacuumed. And he unplugs the, the vacuum from the wall and then he says, I'm going to call the Vatican and nominate Trudy for sainthood because you are psycho and then Monk's like the lines they're all diagonal (laughs) I have to live here that's great that's good that's good um actually I did find one more it's more it's it's less funny and more on the sappy side but just Monk being a good friend to Stottlemyre and like telling him you can stay here whenever like Monk probably doesn't want anyone staying there and even though Stottlemyre ruins that yeah. a little bit him being the good friend to ask him I did like yeah him. that's true because he did, did like, he and he took care of him whenever he had his exactly. for three years yeah, when yeah, Trudy yeah, died yeah. so yeah. yeah that's a good point um yeah I I like to usually put the plot things that I like you know in the what I did what I did like part but granted this is our number 16 episode yeah. so it's not one of our favorites obviously and my plot ish stuff is in what I didn't like so, um, what I didn't like would be, it really does show Leland's flaws, um, when it comes to his wife, cause he's pretty mean to her. Um, and he's also really insecure that she's like a better detective just because, I mean, I don't really understand that. She had information that he'd never had. She did an entire documentary on Miles Hauling. Yeah. His so, pride yeah, kept him from, yeah. Yeah. I thought, I just thought. He was being a big baby, honestly. 
Oh, I have one. Okay. okay. <laughs> um, so, Stottlemyre living with Muck again. I guess that was big for me, but, like, like he knows everything that Monk goes through. He knows everything that Monk is, mm-hmm. and yet he's like, I'm just going to get my beer and, like, come sit in your couch in my underwear yeah. and, like, keep moving your table. and You know, and it's like, not saying that Monk would be easy to live with by any means, but it's like, when you go stay at someone else's house, it's like, you don't, like, yeah, the old phrase, oh, make yourself at home. You don't really make yourself at home in their living room. Yeah. Like, show a little, you know, okay, I get this is your house, you know. Like, now, if he's being tidy and then Monk's still coming in there being a nag, then it's like, okay. But it's like, folding out the bed, underwear, and like, yeah. and like just yeah. all of that. Like I agree with that. Whoa, actually, dude. Yeah. Like, I'm not OCD and, like, chill. Yeah, that's too much for me. Yeah. yeah. It's true. Um. This is kind of a random thing, but I don't like uh, that they killed the old man, obviously. Like, it's sad. Especially like, he's all, like, bopping to his music. I know. And that's why I put in the synopsis that he was still too young. Yeah. <laughs> still too young. You know what I mean? Um, but then, okay, so my last thing would be definitely a plot issue. Uh, I thought it was slow at the end. Like, uh, every time I watch this one... I'm like, okay, get to it. He hit and run, hit and run. I get it. Um, so I didn't like the hit and run. Just I, I felt like it's not the most creative thing. I guess the time capsule in general was pretty creative, but that it all built up to a hit and run. It was like, okay, whatever. But then they try to do the whole Stottlemyre, the whole reason that remember when they try to pull in that case, his case about the kid who was hit with oh. the hit by the hit and run. He can't solve this case, and this case ends up being th- this case. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's I, I didn't think that they needed Stottlemyre's demise part to be any part of that yeah. hit and run thing. Because they hadn't hit on it before. Exactly. But like, he was in a slump. Yes. They didn't really hit on it after like oh yeah he would like it had nothing to do with anything mm-hmm. except this one episode it was a very yes it was a very forced storyline yeah i thought i agree there, yeah all right what's next so our 15th episode Ooh. on the countdown would be mr monk and the 12th man this is the ninth episode in season two in the opening scene we see a toll booth attendant giving a customer his change and get handcuffed by the assailant then dragged to his death after the open, we see Monk at Mrs. Ling's dry cleaners complaining about his shirt that now has a new button that Mrs. Ling had to replace. He is then called to the scene where Stottlemyre is stumped by a series of random killings that is now up to nine. While trying to find the connection, there's another random killing at a movie theater, and they're finally certain that it's the same killer as they use sequential bills at the toll booth and the theater. The diversity of the victims is so evident that they realize it must be a jury. All of the victims were on the same jury six years ago in a case where a man fell off the roof of Stuart and Lisa Babcock's house. Now the only juror left, Wallace Cassidy, is the main suspect. They search his home where they find pictures of a dead woman and a finger in the freezer, but Monk has his doubts as he finds the Babcocks suspicious. 
It turns out that Cassidy and the rest of the jury did an examination of the crime scene during the trial. When Cassidy was looking around, he found the dead body of Stuart Babcock's ex-wife. He started blackmailing the Babcocks with the photographs and the finger. When he kept asking for more money, they decided to kill him. However, they didn't know which of the jurors was blackmailing them, so they started taking them out one by one. Monk finally finds proof in a shirt sleeve that was torn off during the attack of Juror 11. The stitching was Mrs. Ling's signature stitching that was the same as Monk's new button. Ling helps the police by confirming that the sleeve was, in fact, Stuart Babcock's, and they immediately arrest the couple. So that was Mr. Monk and the 12th Man. So what did you like about this episode? So one of those, like, towards the end, you were talking about his button. Whenever Monk gets his shirt back from Mrs. Ling and has his button threaded that obviously no one would ever see. And he's, like, covering it up and, like, hiding. And then at one point he, like, yells at someone, like, you're looking at my button or something like that. And he's, like, embarrassed by this, like, button that's on his shirt. I thought that was, like, kind of funny because it continued throughout. Yeah, I think whenever he, I don't know, I think it might have been the yelling part where it's the movie guy and then Monk, like you said, he's covering up his button and the guy's like, he's like, I know you're staring at my button. And the kid's like, what? Oh no, I didn't notice. And Monk's like, yeah, whatever. (laughs) Yeah. Jeez. I've actually felt bad for the (laughs) the innocent attendant guy. It was kind of mean. My first thing is uh, Mrs. Ling hating Mr. Monk. And charging him more, <laughs> he has a sign that says Mr. Monk and has a different price. And he's like, why is mine more? Um, but I do like that she does serve him anyway. I mean, she doesn't at the end. She kind of kicks him out of the store. But, you know, up until that point, she serves him anyway, even though he's super picky and annoying to her. Yeah. But I liked Monk putting the case together. So, like, about the jury, that scene, whenever... It's almost like a collaborative effort and they're kind of like spitting ideas and he's like, okay, so they're random and da 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 and they're like talking and then uh, Stoudemire goes like, keep going, keep going. Like they know they're on to it and I guess that like almost that realism of like probably what you're going through as a detective and you're like putting the pieces together and you're, and then they're all like, okay, okay. And they're, and they're all kind of like there, you know, Monk's the one figuring it out, but they're all there. Like you don't ever really see that. No, you don't. It's usually just like, oh, I saw this random thing. You know, I'm sitting at a table and it gets twisted. Oh, I've solved the case, you know, Mm -hmm. which for Monk again is, is normal. Yeah. But you know, seeing that like, okay, they're all that, the, the inner workings of the mind thread. That was pretty cool. Yeah. Actually it's too. Um, and to go off of that, this is during this, right? When they're first starting this, you know, what do these people have in common, whatever. So they're like, okay, we're up to 10 deaths and they have everybody's pictures up and then there's a blank rectangle and Randy goes ahead and like puts it up there and tapes it up and Stottlemyre's like, Randy, what is that? And he's like, oh, I'm leaving space for what? For the next victim. He's like... Take that down. There's not going to be a next victim. Like, oh my gosh, Randy, you're leaving space for the next victim. Gosh, like, do your job and maybe there won't be another picture. I don't know. That's, oh, it's so Randy. I love it. I love it. Is that all the funny ones you have? I have one more. Okay, go. Funny one. Yeah. I have another one, but it's not funny. Okay. Um. So, pipe in head guy. 
Oh, jeez. <laughs> it's sad, but they obviously meant it to be funny, so I laughed. Okay. <laughs> so then he's like, uh, Shrona and Monk go visit him to question him. You know, he's the guy that fell off the roof and has a pipe still sticking out of his head. And he says, please sit down. And then they're just talking, and then he's like, please sit down. I don't get many visitors. Sit, 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 sit. And then... <laughs> And then nothing rings, like the phone doesn't ring, but he says, I'll get it. And then he says, bad dog, bad dog, and starts yelling. It was, that was too much. And it was, it was, it was pretty funny. Like, it was a lot. And then he's like, yeah, I haven't worked since this happened. And Monk's like, huh. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, again, starts over. Yeah, and then he starts out. I don't get many visitors. I don't get many visitors. Oh, it's so sad and funny. All right. Um, Good. uh, I did like that when it came down to it, that Stoudemire had Monk's back and gave him the extra hour to go figure out the case. Oh, that he didn't push on with the deputy mayor. The annoying. We'll get to that. um, Mm -hmm. The annoying deputy mayor and go say, "Yeah, let's go do it." He stood there in the doorway and was like. All right, you have one hour. Mm-hmm. You know, he was reluctant, but he did stand by Monk when it came down to it. Yeah, you're totally right about that. Um, yeah, get into the what you didn't like, because I felt like you were going somewhere with that. Yeah, no, no, no. So the the annoying deputy mayor, like, so the fact that, and, and, and nothing against him, I guess, personally, because probably most mayors or whatever would do something similar, but, like, how he just continued to try to push the case along through his expectation or what he wanted to do politically and not actually allow the case to actually develop and turn into go where the evidence led or any of that. He was trying to push it along like, Oh, this guy. Okay, cool. Yep. It's him. Oh, this guy. Okay. It's him. Oh, this guy. Okay. And he was like already going to the press already doing all of this stuff. Yeah, and it's he's like, like trying to make the six o'clock news. Yeah, like, and you're like, dude. For one, the there's a ten o'clock news yeah. or nine o'clock news or for... tomorrow. Like, yeah, you know. And it's like, give the guy a time to get it right, and then you know, I guess that goes back to what I did like though is the fact that like, when it all comes full circle, we see the scene where Sharona is getting the parking ticket or whatever, and she's like, oh, you know, I used to date him, and he's like the ex deputy mayor, you know, mm-hmm. and so it, it kind of shows you that it comes full circle and it doesn't pay to to do that so yeah um but yeah that was because well he also a little much yeah well he also was rude to sharona like straight up that is because she's like hey you know my boss he's good at this you got to trust him this can ruin your career yeah and flat out just foreshadows that yeah and he's like hey babe i trust you to pick out my tie not for the big stuff yeah who says that exactly what a pig what a tool man yep Okay, so what I didn't like, or one of the things I didn't like, was Stoudemire using Sharona. At the very beginning, he acts like he's being nice, yeah, right? And he comes up to her like, oh, yeah, you know, your world's about to change. People are going to use you, and you're not going to know who to trust. Um, but, I mean, you know, if you ever want to go on a double date, you know, with the with the mayor and me and Karen can go and yeah, just, just here's my card. Just give me a call whenever you need. And you're like, really, Stoudemire? Yeah. Like, come on. Yep. Um, which also, to be fair, Monk does say that he hopes that Sharona could possibly help get him reinstated if she's dating the mayor, yep. too. So, But he feels guilty about it. He does it. feel guilty about it. Stottlemyre doesn't. And, and Monk never says that to Sharona. 
He says it to his therapist. Yeah. So totally different. I, I stand by what um, I said then. I think Sharona, which uh, most people probably would, but Sharona giving into the attention. Yeah. And like completely <laughs> just like going off of like everything that is her life, helping monks, solving cases, all of that. To just be like wowed by everyone. Oh, that's oh, true. Because oh, she yeah. actually start, starts neglecting her yeah. job. And Monk's yeah. like yelling at her like, Sharana, look over here. Look over here. And she's too busy like soaking in the attention to like care about anything else. I didn't like seeing that Sharona act like that. And I don't think that that's true to Sharona necessarily. But mm-hmm. at the same time, you know, that, that sort of thing does change people. So um, I honestly, for me for my ranking for it to be all the way at the bottom here. I had a hard time following this one. Um, I didn't understand why they didn't think that juror number 12 was the next victim instead of the killer. I don't know. I, I that was cause every time I watch this one, I always forget what happens cause it's not to me, it's not a very memorable episode. So I always forget that it, ends up being the Babcocks, but my train of thought still always goes to like, Oh my gosh, he's the next victim. And then they lock him up like he's the killer. And so, I don't know. I, I, I have a hard time following that one. Um, then, yeah, I just pretty much just got lost from there. I, I get stuck on the insurance calendars whenever they look in the picture and they all have the same insurance calendar. And then, I guess, was that because juror number 11? Well, that was automotive or something, yeah. But um, anyway, the same calendar. Yeah, the same calendar, right? But it's like that guy owned that company? Is that why they had all the same calendar, or was that just a big coincidence? It, it yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't know. And the the pictures yeah. that they have of them, they're all standing in front of their calendar. <laughs> like, where did they get these pictures from? Yeah, their office. Yeah, like they're mm-hmm. everyone has an office picture of them standing yeah. in front of a calendar. Yeah, yeah, that doesn't make sense. Yeah, and then the the Miss Babcock thing came out of left field. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. I know again. That's part of the mystery of why did they do it? Oh, because they killed the ex-wife. Like, it's like a juror of a civil case. The plaintiff kills his ex-wife and then his black... Like, it's a very... It's it's hard to follow. Yeah. It was hard to follow. They kind of kept going. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. That's all I have. It's not my fave. Not my fave. All right. Next up is the 14th ranking on our list. It is Mr. Monk Goes Back to School. So, this is actually... The first episode, so the season premiere of season two, and we got it ranked as number 14. Um, In the opening scene, we see Derek Philby and Beth Landau together, cozy in a car. Beth is insisting that Derek tells his wife about the two of them before she does it for him. Derek assures her that he will that evening. He tells Beth to meet him the next morning before the SATs. He will be proctoring, and then they will go their separate ways. The next scene, we see Philby proctoring the SAT right on schedule. He glances at the time as the test begins, and then we see Beth falling to her death from the clock tower outside and smashes into the hood of a vehicle sitting there and sets off the alarm. This case just so happens to be at Trudy's High School, alma mater, and Monk is called in to help solve it. Stottlemyre declares it is a suicide, but Monk knows it's foul play right away. He goes undercover as a teacher, where he suspects Philby early on. It turns out he had killed Landau in the clock tower, and then placed her body on the minute hand of the clock. When it strikes 8.20, at the exact start time of the SAT, Beth's body slides off and hits the car below. To catch Derek, they do a mini sting operation where Monk lies to him 
that he doesn't yet know where Beth's glasses are, so that Derek will go in the night and find them. It worked, and he is busted. Nice. So, Candace, what did you like about this episode? I like, okay, again, it's at the bottom, so I've got mostly quotes here, but the opening scene after the credits is some little banter between Monk and Sharona, where they're playing chess, and it's... I thought it was a really great way to start the episode. Monk's touching every piece, right? And then Monk is about to win with one move. So Sharona picks up the queen and licks it and then puts it back. And he's like, oh my gosh, well, you can't do that. That's like, there's a rule. You can't do that. That's And she's like, there's a rule? And he's like, yes, it's an unwritten rule. And she says, there's an unwritten licking the queen rule? And he says... He's like, yes, that's a rule. You're not even allowed to touch another piece on the board. And she says, are you kidding me? You have been sexually harassing every piece on this board. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love that. Let's see. I did like, um, so kind of another quote. We see this kind of happen a lot, but Monk, where he goes into the teacher's lounge and he's like balancing out the coffee and he's talking to Mr. Philby Mm -hmm. and he's doing the coffee and he's mixing the like, the caffeinated with the decaffeinated coffee and both of the teachers are like looking at him and they're like, uh, oh and, and my he goes, gosh. but they're equal. And he's like, but, but they're different. But they're different. But they're equal. But they're different. Yeah. And then Monk goes, but they're equal. So anyway, you just, and he starts like <laughs> talking like immediately after to kind of end that conversation. Yeah. Um, I liked how he did that. I thought that That's was That's really a good funny. got a moment for a bully. I hate that. I hate <laughs> bullies and yeah. That was a good bully guy. Well, and Mr. Philby's sitting, and he's laughing. Like, the face he's making, you know he's just doing that. Oh, exactly. Yeah, He's, yeah. he's taking advantage of his OCD, yeah, basically, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I thought that was funny of, of Monk. Um, how we talked about in the synopsis, though, uh, Monk setting up Mr. Philby to find the glasses. I thought that was cool. We don't get to see him do a whole lot of sting operations and how he kind of, like, it gets into what I didn't like about Monk's own feelings of like this guy's smarter than me oh my gosh and then for him to not just solve the case but solve the case and twist the guy into setting himself up it's like and again leading off with chess of them playing Mm -hmm. chess and it like kind of makes it full circle of them going like man he was monk was playing chess with this guy and like got him to essentially admit that he had murdered those or, or find himself you give the police evidence of it um, I thought that was really cool, Mike, and I thought that was a good scene. Yeah, I have that also about him <laughs> planting the glasses. Um, and I also plot, you know, the plot thing would be, I did think that was clever, the minute hand thing. Granted, I don't think that she could slide off and hit a car because I think the car would have to be right underneath the clock yeah, tower. Yeah, and I have something on that oh, too. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Um, no, 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 but yeah. Okay, but so I liked that, but I didn't even write these things down, but they were coming back as you were saying how great of like a sting operation that was um, two things where he talks about the snake. Mm-hmm. Do you have that in your likes? Yes. Or no? Oh, okay. Then I'll let you say that one. And then there's well, a... kind of the same thing though. Okay. But then there's a... at the end, he says, uh, what is it? It's QED. Latin. Yes. Yeah. Do you have that too? Yeah. Okay. Then go ahead. Yeah. Cause yeah. Well, no, no, no. It's both down, the so same. I don't remember what he said. But they're essentially both the same thing is that, yeah. um, you know, the, the snake one I really like because, Mr. Philby is this like great teacher and like all smart and stuff. And Monk is doubting himself and um, he's super smug as all the criminals are. Um, it's Prove like, it. really? like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Prove it. Like, how about deny? How about I, 
I didn't do this. What are you talking about? Yeah. Um, and so he's like, so, you, you know, it's one of the great laws of physics or whatever. Something can't be two places at once. And there's a snake sitting there in a cage and a mouse sitting there in a cage. And he's like, you know, if this mouse disappeared, you would initially blame the snake. But then you'd realize that he can't be two places at once. He can't be in the cage with the mouse and in his cage. And he's like, so the ma- the snake couldn't have done it. And then Monk just like looks at him and is like, I think the snake did it. Yeah. Burn. Yeah. yeah. I love that. So really good, really good scene there, Monk, not backing down to murderers. So where do murderers, like, fall on this list? <laughs> yeah. Of... I don't think murderers are on the list. <laughs> yeah. I don't think. He's not scared of It's under animal. elephants. Yeah. He's not afraid of elephants. <laughs> uh, so I did like that. The, the QED demonstration, uh, you know, I forget what the actual something at demonstrata or something but um like end of demonstration yeah like so in math they do that a lot though it's like they'll put like qed is the end of that you know whatever okay the problem that they're solving or whatever so that's what it means like thus it is proven yeah like you're saying that okay this problem is solved yep qed um and so whenever they're doing that they kind of lead into it by monk again Monk's just like a hard A in this yeah, one. Like, but but Monk. <laughs> I know we end. ranked it so low. Why did yeah. we? Can we address why yeah, we ranked well, it so low? I think I think the um, I think again. I it wasn't that the episode was bad. It was just that there's episodes that were better because the whole episode. It, there are funny parts that make it seem like oh yeah it's really great and Monk is a hard A but Monk's a hard A in a, like a lot of these episodes. Yeah, that's true. And so it's like we're really kind of. Because if you notice, almost nothing is about the plot yeah. of this episode. Mm-hmm. There's not much that, like, pulls you at anything. It's like, yeah, he tricked the guy with the glasses. That was cool. But, I mean, yeah. So there wasn't just there wasn't a whole lot of, like, plot creativity. And also, I feel like you have to be harder on the season premieres and the season finales. So yeah. I feel like because once we started watching these episodes... It was like we both had the same feeling once we were done with the first one that we we're like, yeah, that wasn't the best episode. So then once you start ranking as you keep going, that one just keeps getting pushed to the bottom because it's like, yeah, for a season premiere, it just wasn't as great as it could have been. Yeah. So yeah. I feel like that. Because um, on the things that I didn't like was the monk getting bullied. It was nice that he stood up for himself, but still bringing monk back down to him getting bullied in school. I didn't like that. That coach was annoying. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then also one of the ones that I had here was um, what you talked about. So obviously, and this is like demonstrated throughout the episode, but he lays Beth's body on the clock tower at 815. Okay. And they, they mention it multiple times that it's all the way across campus. And he's proctoring the SATs all the way across campus. And yet at 820, he's sitting there calm as a cucumber looking at his watch to check the time. So he set her body at the top of a clock tower, ran all the way down, all the way across campus, handed out the test maybe, sat down with no suspicion by 820? That's a great plot hole. I mean, granted, maybe it was a small, little bitty, tiny campus. It doesn't look that way. But they they said multiple times, you parked all the way across campus campus and you ran all the way over here. Mm-hmm. Like, as if it was far away. Yeah. Not like, oh, you're 100 feet from your classroom. So he did all that because they said it was 820 when the when the, she fell. So Because that's why he had his car there, which miraculously hit, but whatever. And then it fell, hit the car at 820, but he ran and set the body up at 850. It would have taken me five minutes just to get down the clock tower. 
<laughs> that's true. It. That's that's true. That's just a great seemed, pothole. Just seems really fast. Yeah. To me. Yeah. No, that's a great pothole. Um. The only thing I have that I didn't like, which doesn't really make any sense, but is the bully scene, the first bully scene where the kid throws the chalk at him yeah. and makes him freeze up and like, yes. I, yeah, that was, that was not a great moment for Monk. But I only really like bully scenes if they get revenge on the bully Whoa. and that didn't really happen. Right. For, with that kid. Like Sharona does like step on his foot and say, I don't work here, punk. Um, but... I don't think that was a good enough moment for Monk no. to have payback. So. Yeah. No. That was it. I mean, I think we pretty much summed up what we didn't mm-hmm. like we, yeah. for our overall, you know, theme. So. All right. So what are we on? Number 14? Uh, 13. 13. Okay. Yeah. All right. This next one is Mr. Monk and the Missing Granny. So this is the 13th episode in season two. In the open, we see an old granny sitting in her living room talking to a stray cat she found. Behind her, we see two masked assailants sneaking into her house. They tie the lady to her chair, hoist her up, and carry her out to their van. As soon as they pull away, the woman's granddaughter, Julie Parlow, runs up and is shouting for help, but they get away with Nana. At first, the police suspect a radical group is to blame, as the living room is tagged with their symbol. But when the criminals call the house and agree to a strange ransom of serving homeless people Thanksgiving dinner, Monk is very suspicious. After the turkey dinners are served and Nana is returned, Monk is still on the hunt for the kidnappers. Nana's clues lead them to the home of Harold and Carol Maloney, opera-loving antique dealers. Nana recognizes the couple from when they came over to see if the stray cat belonged to them. Also in the episode, we see Julie Parlow promise to help Monk get reinstated. He can claim disability with his OCD, and all he will need to do is take a test to get his badge. When he goes to take his exam, his disorder causes him to only get one question answered. He locks himself in the captain's office, and when he blocks the door with Captain Stottlemyre's chair, he gets angry, and Monk solves the case. It was about the chair. They didn't care about Nana. They wanted her antique chair apparently worth $2.5 million. They are busted when the gang goes to visit. They see the chair, but Julie has no proof it belonged to Nana. The Maloneys must have seen the chair when they were looking for the cat, but when Randy never sneezes at their house, Monk realizes they never had a cat. It turns out the chair was pictured on the missing cat flyer all along, and the couple is arrested. So that was Mr. Monk and the missing granny. So, what did you like about this episode? I think I found myself on this episode liking a whole lot of quotes. Okay. So yeah. just Randy, when he's like, uh, when they're interrogating the suspect, and he goes, all right, we can do good cop, bad cop, worst cop, and he points to himself as worst cop. Um, I thought that was really funny. Um, yeah, and then I have that too, but mine continues because it says, Stoudemire says it's a two-man job, and then Randy says, all right, I'll just stay here. And Sharona says... And weep openly. Yes. <laughs> and Randy says, and do paperwork. And she says, and weep openly. <laughs> yeah, oh. that's good. Um, my next one would be, or apparently, Michael Shaloub, which is Tony Shaloub's brother, is in this episode. And he plays um, the suspect of the radical group, yep, right? Exactly, yeah. I had, I, I knew that his wife was on a bunch of episodes, but I didn't realize that 
His brother was in a few. So this is the first time I ever saw his brother, and they do look a lot alike. It's it's pretty funny. Yeah. But Monk gets to, I guess that's kind of how they got him to be able to act in a scene with his brother, but it's really funny because um, Monk starts, what is he even saying? He's saying, mm-hmm. like, uh, weird stuff about the 70s or something. Yeah. And then and his brother says, what are you smoking? <laughs> and then he's like, I've been smoking the truth, man. <laughs> So, yeah, <laughs> uh, that's kind of a classic. I, I feel like that's a classic monk line. Like, I always I forget that. it's in this episode. And then when he says it, I'm like, oh, that's classic monk right there. Yep. Um, the last quote that I have is the granny. And she kept saying, I should have stabbed him in his particulars. <laughs> <laughs> I have that, too. That's yeah. so cute. Yep. And then she's like, at the end, she's like, you know where I should have stabbed him. And she's like, yeah, we know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Randy dressed up as the homeless woman. Oh, my God. That's so gross. <laughs> I don't understand that at all. I don't, I, He's dressed up so good, though. I don't, I don't get that. I'm going to be honest. I don't understand what... It's me, Randy. You're like, yeah, what's on your face? Oh, it's so funny. Um, I like the when they're at the homeless shelter and Monk wants to give the guy gravy. The homeless oh, man, he tries to give him yeah. gravy. And he's like, I don't want gravy. And he's like, but everybody else is eating gravy. Yeah, but I don't want gravy. And he's like, okay. And then she's like, let it go. And then later you see Monk walk up to the guy's table and he's like, oh, here you go. And he's like, what is this? And he's like, oh, I thought you said you wanted gravy. And he's like, no, I didn't. I don't want gravy. And he's like, okay, how about this? You eat the gravy. And, and he said, that's it. You eat the gravy. <laughs> Uh, not funny one, but at the end, whenever Sharona hangs his cop uniform back up, because Monk kind of gives up and, like, puts it in the, um, I don't know, whatever, little cabinet. Yeah. And then he, she hangs it back up in his armoire for him. Yeah. Um, okay, so the, the plot, I actually thought the chair thing was pretty good. I don't know, like. Because you wouldn't have thought about that. Like, oh, the granny got stolen. Like, you'd be like, yeah, I want my granny back. Yeah, it well, but what I love those things where you do see the chair on the flyer and mm-hmm. no one thinks of it. Like, you don't see it as the audience, like, oh, obviously it was a chair, or obviously the chair, even after they say it was the chair, right? You don't think back to the flyer, like, oh, well, they must have known because of the flyer. Like, that's so, I don't know. Like, I like those things where you see the clues beforehand and you're like, how did I not notice that? Uh-huh. So, yeah, I actually like that. That's, a, I feel like that was actually a pretty decent plot thing. The criminals, they were one of the, just the money grubbers. Like, they weren't super uh-huh. evil, but I mean, sometimes it's better than the psychopath ones. So, it's, I didn't, I didn't hate it. I didn't hate it. Um, do you have anything else? Uh, stuff I didn't like. Okay. My only other thing that I guess I would say that I did like, not necessarily, again, it's not a funny part, it's sad, but when Monk is struggling to decide whether he's disabled or not. That's a pretty big moment where he's sad about that. Like, am I disabled or what? So I felt like those are pretty good. You found pleasure in that? Um, again, <laughs> I said, oh my gosh. I I like the part, okay? I'll leave it at that. I liked it. Um, didn't like... Who likes to see a granny get kidnapped? <laughs> yeah. She's just sitting there rocking in her chair and then they're like... She should have stabbed him in his particulars. <laughs> But but for real though, the, so I was like, that opening scene is a little hard hitting when you see like, 
come around the face and like grab her yeah. and you're like, oh my I will gosh. say it's better than the old man though. Because she doesn't die. That is true. And she comes back. That is so true. So I, I, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, but in that moment, you don't realize that she doesn't die until you see him carrying her out of the house in the chair. Yeah, it is kind of creepy. It's like, like when they're dressed in crap. black and they're coming around the, yeah, yeah I get what you're saying. Geez. Yeah, it's creepy. But yeah, that. I'll just say, okay, so since you think that I like Monk's Misery, <laughs> um, it, I think it's really sad when he can't do the test because he keeps messing with the pencils. Yeah. That's really sad. I don't, I, I didn't like that. Yeah, they try to like um, bring humor in with the guy, with the guard, like, like kind of joking with him yeah, about it, mm-hmm. but it's like, it's yeah, sad. that's super sad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, that's different than the disabled part. Yeah, because that's him trying to do the test and he really is like, you see his very long struggle with it. I don't like that. Yeah. But that, I mean, the way that that shot though, where it's just a camera and him, like you feel it, like mm-hmm. the time passing in your own life of like how long it's taking him to like do. And you like feel the pain of him, like sharpening his pencils again. And you're just like, Oh gosh. Like it's so drawn out that you just like feel it. Yeah. Actually in the drunk monk podcast, they mentioned that, um, when they went to see Tony Shalhoub speak at the conference, mm-hmm. that he said at the in season two, I believe specifically, was when he started being able to be more like a producer and was like in the editing room. And he particularly would do those scenes and say like, no, leave that in. Let mm-hmm. that play out. And so I wouldn't be surprised if that actually was a Tony Shalhoub part. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like he had a hand in how long that scene went on. Yeah, because so. it did. It go. It just kept on and on. And it, it, it probably took 10 minutes of the sh- of the show, it felt like. Yeah, know? it feels like it. And yeah, it's, like, probably oh. pro- it's probably about two minutes yeah, or three. Yeah, but it feels like it maybe. took 10 minutes of the show and you're just like watching it like going, oh, oh my, my gosh. Like his whole time is just going away and he's done nothing. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, so on a broader thing that I didn't like was just the fact of him like getting his hopes up again. Mm-hmm. Like, getting his hopes up to be on the force. And, like, that's, like, you know, other than, like, catching Trudy's murderer, like, that's his thing that he lives for. Like, every chance that he gets, it's to him be back on the force again. And then for it to all fall through like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Okay, something else I didn't like would be the the ransom call. Whenever she has powder on her face, and I actually noticed because... It was about to happen. Mm-hmm. She actually already had powder on her face before she goes to make that ransom call. And Monk's talking to her. He could have... That's kind of a plot hole. He he could have seen that before. But regardless, when she's on the ransom call and she has the powdered sugar on her face and he's like wiping, like telling yeah. her to wipe it. And she's like, what? You want me to hang up? And you're like, lady, do you want your granny to die? Because that's what's about to happen. Yeah. If you talk... While you're on the phone with the ransom person. Yeah. So I thought it was dumb that they made Monk do that. Because again, like, Monk... Come he on, understands. Monk. He's not stupid. He, yeah, he's not stupid. And then her, she actually is stupid. So then she's stupid. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, do you have any more? Are you, you're done. Okay, so that perfect, because that goes with my last one, is that <laughs> for me, the probably the main reason that this episode ranks so low for me is because of Julie Parlow. And I don't know why, but I feel like because she's played by uh, Rachel Dratt, who's like an SNL person, right? Um, This is probably one of my least favorite guest stars. And it's not because I don't like Rachel. It's just that I feel like it was a weird character for her to play. Like I see her playing like a Marcy character where she's a little like kooky crazy. 
but she's in this episode she's just kooky dumb dumb yeah and so i just feel like that character like i feel like she didn't sell it for me i feel like didn't connect um so i don't know i I feel like that's my critique on that one and then i will say though i did think it's really cute at the end when she calls her nana on the phone sitting on the stoop and she's sitting on the stoop and she's like nana i'm gonna buy that bakery and you never have to you know do anything again yeah yeah i love you nana that was really cute yeah like the positive ending to her granny being kidnapped yeah it's sweet Um, yeah yeah so all right next up on number 12 on the list we have mr monk and the captain's wife this is the 14th episode in season two. In the opening scene, we see Captain Stottlemyre's wife, Karen, fall victim to a car crash. We see that there is a sniper taking a shot at a tow truck driving down the road. When the driver is taken out by a single shot, the truck crashes, which causes Karen to wreck as well. With Stottlemyre on the brink of breaking down about his wife, Monk steps in to solve the case. They originally think it is the work of the Union, who had been protesting for some time. But when another driver is taken out, Monk thinks that crime may be to further convince the police to draw attention away from the real criminal. At the crime scene, Sharona finds a dog belonging to an Evan Coker. When they take the dog home, Sharona is charmed, but Monk is preoccupied with the neighbor's sundial. He tries to fix it, but not without the grumpy neighbor scolding him in the process. With the captain still on the hunt, Monk offers to take the Stottlemyre boys out to lunch at the 50s diner. With all the dancing and commotion, one of the waiters bumps and turns their table, and Monk solves the case. He, of course, is correct that it's not about the Union, and we realize that it is the work of Evan Coker. It turns out that Evan Coker had previously committed a crime with a gun that he had kept in his car. When he was awakened by a tow truck one morning, he realized that his car was being repoed with the gun inside. He quickly ran out of his house, across the neighbor's yard and inadvertently hit the sundial this of course is how karen was harmed and stottlemyre is not too pleased when confronting coker in the end but he is able to restrain himself they ultimately find the gun that coker had retrieved and they take him away and that was mr monk and the captain's wife candace what did you like about that one i liked the beginning where monk is talking to the garbage men and he's telling them he's like hey where's tolly and he's like Oh, he's on vacation. Oh, well, Tully puts my garbage in a certain sector. He puts it in sector nine. Yeah, I like the I like the sector nine. Kind of going with the uh, trash theme at the end of the episode where Monk chases down the trash truck and jumps on and is throwing trash out to catch the killer. And that gets tied in a lot with what this meant for his friend, mm-hmm. what it meant to Stoudemire, what it meant to everybody, but him being able to... Because on a normal Monk, he'd be like, Oh, screw that. I ain't chasing down the, you know. Yeah. But, but because of everything that it had tied to it, you believe that Monk would do that in that instance. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, that's what I have. He overcomes his phobias and gets on the garbage truck. Um, and I put that he did it for Karen, but I feel like he was doing it for Trudy through Karen, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So I do agree with you, but I also feel like, again, he's putting himself in Stottlemyre's shoes, which are his shoes. Mm-hmm. So he's he's kind of doing it like proxy Trudy, you know? Um, so I liked when Sharona gets the dog, Adrian. She, she names it Adrian. Names it. And then when they're going to return it, she's like, Adrian, quit or I'm going to spank you. And Monk's like, are you talking to me or the dog? She <laughs> says, both. 
That's cute. That's kind of the only funny thing I had. Actually, I didn't have a whole lot of funny. Yeah. The only other thing that I had that was kind of funny was whenever he's in Dr. Kroger's office and he's talking about the percentages. He's like, oh, you know, yeah. how are you at, How are you feeling about Karen's accident? And he's like, I'm 50% worried about Karen. And then 40% of me is worried about the captain. And then 5% is relieved that somebody feels how I feel. And then he says, what about the other 5%? And he says, oh, I like to leave that open for emergencies. Um, and then also Kroger gets a different white noise machine. Yeah. And then Monk is like, uh, no, that's not the same machine. He's like, that one, this one's a whole octave higher. The other one is like, and this one's like, <laughs> yeah, and he's like, <laughs> he's like, okay, I'll just turn it off. Um, so yeah, so that was, that was my last funny stuff. So I like that, and this is kind of like one of the harder parts with like Monk on this episode is like him being happy that Stottlemyre feels the way he does about his wife. Yeah. But what I did like was because everybody gives Monk a hard time all the time. And then whenever Stottlemyre, whose wife isn't even dead, and they're on track to find the killer, is like this angry mess of a man who's running about town and like doing all of this. I don't like that. Yeah. But mm -hmm. I do yeah. like seeing that insight of what Monk lives with and what he's still able to do and accomplish while living with more than what Stoudemire's going through. And you see that strength of Monk there, of where he's really like, I'm able to handle this. And maybe I'm not able to process it in a way that like everyone else is, but I can hold it and I can still do everything that I need to do. Um, you know, I thought, I thought that that was good insight into Monk and the way he lives his life too. Yeah, that's true. Um, for me, my last, what I did like is that it's a very Stottlemyre centric episode. It's not my favorite of his episodes, uh, that I can remember, but I did like that he was restraining himself in the end. Right. And then because he gets to go home and see Karen, Mm -hmm. And it's really sweet, and he buys her a new buys her camera. camera. So I, I like that. Yeah. That was a good summary of, because, uh, again, we've seen in the very, very old man that they were fighting. They don't really get along that well. They do make up, but, again, it's a very, not superficial, but it's just, you know. Yeah. This one, we actually see his, like, true, true love for her, not just him trying to get back into the house. Right. That he's actually genuinely happy that she is alive and well and buys her a camera. Exactly. Um, Didn't like... Obviously, it was just Stoudemire's temper the entire episode. It was like he wasn't, and, and I get it, but he wasn't doing his wife any favors by being a loose cannon and, like, running off and, like, attacking people and all of this. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, dude, like, focus on what you got to yeah. do to get your, you know, to find your wife's killer. Like, going to kill somebody isn't going to do it for you. Yeah, which he was using Monk again, so. Yeah, but, that's true. Um, I feel like this was another instance where Stottlemyre doesn't seem to know who Monk is. Like how you were talking about, he's just going in his house, he's wearing his boxers, he's mm -hmm. drinking. It's like, he, at the beginning of the episode, when they're waiting for the garbage man, he tells him to let go of Trudy. Yeah. To get rid of the watch that she got him. Mm -hmm. Again, that was a little bit of a forced storyline because Stottlemyre... So that it could come full circle. Yes. So Stottlemyre would never say that to him, ever. But, again, just to pointed out it's like okay well the writer's either messed up or 
that loud. <laughs> that just makes it louder when you muffle it. That's my sucker. Uh, so again, either the riders messed up by forcing it, or they right. messed up by making him completely disregard like who Monk is. That of course he's never going to let go of Trudy or the watch that she gave him. That's broken. Um, it just always seems like he's making comments like he doesn't understand who Monk always is. Right. So, one of the things I didn't like, too, was the angry sundial lady. Like, granted, I get it. Someone's stepping into your yard, whatever. But it's like, he's not, like, looking in your windows or, like, (laughs) holding a gun to your dog. Like, the guy's standing there looking at your sundial. She's like, my son did that one. It's like, well, he didn't do it very good, you know. And it's like, obviously, she doesn't know anything about a sundial because it was wrong. Yeah. Because the guy had hit it. And who knows? I mean, granted, you're in your yard and some stranger comes walking into your yard. Like, what are you going to say, you know? But it, it just seemed a little bit like she didn't have to be so... She was, like, over-the-top angry. Yeah. I'm just like, what are you doing in my yard, you yeah. know? She's like, what are you doing? My son made that, blah, blah, and all this. And you're like, yeah, she was a psycho. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, was that your last thing? Huh? Okay, so my last thing was different Jared... So we have, it's not even something I didn't like. It's just a recasting. So in the ball game, we see, remember when Jared's the pitcher and he's this tall, slender brunette kid and uh, Sharona's complaining like, oh, he's he's 14, he's not 12 or mm-hmm. whatever. Well, in this one, remember when Monk takes him to the diner, right. he's like a stouter, shorter, blonde-headed boy. Yeah, I didn't even notice that. Yeah. But yeah, totally. New, new Jared. Yeah. So, that's it. Because I was thinking, I'm like, <laughs> we don't even know Stottlemyre's kids, like, when they were going to the diner, and then that's, because t- I didn't recognize the two kids. Yeah. But yeah, that's true. Yep. Good call. So, we're on number 11, huh? Okay. This one is Mr. Monk Goes to Jail. This is the 16th and final episode of season two, so season finale. In the opening scene, we see an inmate, Ray Caspo, eating his last meal on death row before he falls over dead. When it appears he's been poisoned, the police are stumped as to why someone would kill a man 45 minutes before his execution. Monk reluctantly takes the case when Dale the Whale, hoping to be exonerated of the poisoning, promises to give Adrian information about Trudy's murder. As Monk interviews people in the prison, he questions the reading teacher, Sylvia Fairborn, who points him in the direction of an infamous inmate named Spider as Ray Caspo's killer. Adrian must go undercover to gain Spider's trust, which he does, but then Spider insists that Sylvia Fairborn must be lying as her information was flat out wrong. When Sharona and Monk confront Sylvia, she is distracted by a TV show discussing a controversial book about the recently deceased billionaire Lambert Lawson. While following this lead, Sharona discovers that Ray Caspo and Lambert Lawson had the same rare blood type. She also realizes that Sylvia is the mother of the book's author, and it all comes together. Sylvia's son was being sued for millions by Lambert Lawson for the book he had written. Lawson needed a kidney transplant, which was to come from Ray Caspo. In order for the case to be dropped against her son, Sylvia paid off a prison cook to poison Caspo's food so that his organs would be ruined and be unviable for Lawson. So Sylvia has killed Ray Caspo and also the prison cook she hired to poison the food. She is arrested and Dale the Whale is exonerated. He also makes good on his promise to Monk and tells him to hunt down a man named Warwick Tennyson, but he must go to New York City to find him. Dun, dun, dun. Um, like I said, this is our number 11 episode. So again, we've got some high standards for a season finale and it kind of didn't meet the mark so what did you like yeah so uh, the things that i liked were kind of just intermittent funny spots monk i say i said monk getting patted down but 
monk patting himself down. Yeah. And, like, he was, like, getting rough with himself, like, as he was patting himself down. It was really funny where he's, like, boom, boom. And he's, like, hitting himself. And he's, like, and then he's, like, what's this? What's this? And he, like, pulls out the, <laughs> the nail why would you bring those or whatever. Where do I think I'm going with these? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's so good. That's so funny. I mostly, I literally, I, I pretty much just have all of Monk's prison lingo. That's why I have just Monk prison talk. Yeah, he says the nickel. I'm doing, I'm doing, I'm doing a, nickel. a nickel. It's like, what is that? You know, it's like doing a dime. It's prison talk. No, it ain't. <laughs> um, he says, um, the guy he won't roll, he won't pick up the basketball and throw it to him. He is going to kick it, I guess, because he doesn't want to touch it with his hands. He's like, are you dissing me? And he's like, no, 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 I'm not dissing you. I'm giving you your props. I don't... So silly. That's good, yeah. Um, And then at the end, whenever he gets out of the prison, he says, I did my bid. And then he's like, you've been in there for like a day or something. And he's like, I know, but prison changes a man. And so, yeah. Yeah, pretty funny. So really the next one that I have is just the way that Monk interacts with the other prisoners. Um, so it, it pretty much everything he does because he's so out of place is funny. So from, like, the prison talk, but just all the way to, like, whenever he's out there and, like, it all, it never works out good for him. So I touched on it a little bit earlier, but, like, when the Nazis are attacking him and he's, like, adjusts oh. the Nazi symbol, you know? And, mm-hmm. like, and then at the end, whenever they're, like, chasing him and he dives into the... Um, the, the laundry. dryer, laundry, yeah. So it's like really like all of those interactions are like funny because he's like scared for his life, but essentially is like running away or is like uh, just whatever interacting with them. Yeah, like I when Spider is is helping him, and yeah. then he he closes the door back to yes. the laundry. Yeah, 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 yeah. Being at the guy, and then yeah. he's like, "Oh, awesome!" And then he shuts the door back. But and then his interaction with the guy with the dread. That's like hanging out or whatever, and oh. he's like wants him to put it up in his hat and all that kind of stuff. Like yeah. so, just all of that combined, I think is yeah. is pretty funny. Um, honestly, didn't have much else that I liked, um, which is weird because I usually love undercover episodes, and and I mean honestly, to be fair, I I I think I remember really enjoying it the first time around. I guess it's just not one of my favorites to like repeat watch. I think I don't like the feeling that Monk is in danger all the time. Yeah. Like, throughout the episode. I think that's what... Um, okay, so I will say that I did like... This is a line from Dale, surprisingly. But I feel like it's a very... I mean, this could be, like, the tagline for the show. Like, he says, Your fear is huge, but your curiosity is huger. And I'm like, ooh, that's good. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's what it's about. I think that that leads you into what I don't like about the episode and, like, anything to do with Dale the Well. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. The guy's nasty and, like, perverted and, and, and you touched on it earlier, like, he knows everything, Mm -hmm. but yet he pulls the strings and he plays Monk and he hates Monk and he, like, does all of this just out of, like, spite and it's like it, the whole thing is just like, ugh. Yeah, I, I don't like that. I don't like Monk doing something as a favor for Dale, even if it's for information about Trudy. Because you don't trust <clears throat> him. Yeah, no. Yeah, you don't. Tr- you never trust him. You're not like, oh well, at least you're like, no. 
like, well, I don't care. It's fake information or he's yeah. lying or whatever. Yeah. And even then it's like, you have to be thinking that, you know, cause he did all of this so that Dale could get a window. And it's like, you have to be thinking for Dale the well, for someone who spites monk as much as he does, the cliffhanger where he's like looking out and sees the window. And he says like, the, the airplane, he says like Bon Voyage or something. Mm-hmm. It's like, you got to be thinking that even then the ends justified the means for Dale the Well, not for Monk. You feel like Monk is still playing into a trap that Dale the Well is setting. He's still playing into something that Dale the Well is setting him up for. Mm-hmm. And so you're like, I just hate that because Monk is the chess player. He's not the person who gets played over and he's not the pawn, you know? Mm-hmm. And so it's like, it sucks seeing that. And I don't, I don't like that. Even yeah. though he finds information about Trudy and solves the case and all that, it's like, I don't like seeing an episode where the whole episode revolves around him being a pawn. Yeah, that's true. Um, at least I will say that this episode is not as Dale-centric as Mr. Monk meets Dale the Whale, which is what we saw in, ep- in season one. Because, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I have that he's still gross, right? Um, he's played by Tim Curry now. Previously, he was played There's by somebody else, yeah. right? Um, Tim Curry's just way grosser. Grosser? Yeah. More gross than the other guy? Um but what I got out of it, which was yours, was much deeper than my mine is. But that this that the prison is not a punishment at all. He has like his gown on, and he has he still has his doctor. He still has so he's eating Chinese food. food and a microwave, and he's mean and like what? That's literally the only. That's literally if you give him a window. That's the same thing as him being his in his apartment. Yeah. I don't understand how that's a prison. I guess that's, is it, it's because he has money. It's because he has money. Mm. I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, do you have anything else for what you didn't like? No, that kind of overarched the whole thing. Okay, because I have two <laughs> things that I do actually want to touch on for sure. I'm kind of with Monk, which I don't know if this is a what I didn't like, but I'm kind of with Monk on who cares if somebody poisons somebody on death row. Um, and then the next thing is a plot hole. Maybe there was, maybe, I feel like in this episode there might be more than one. Um, but this one just stood out to me whenever he said it. They put an embezzler in with a murderer. Yeah. I thought that was, he said, what do you in for? Embezzlement. I don't know. I don't know how they split them up. Well, usually someone who commits (laughs) embezzlement would be in a minimum or medium security prison. Maximum security prison is for hard criminals right. like murderers, Which rapists. Which the hardest of them all. Right. He, he, exactly. Spider is supposed to be bad. He yeah. was in solitary. That's why, you know, yeah. he didn't know who Monk was or whatever. Exactly. Which I feel like it was another plot hole. But that Monk was walking around the no whole... says anything. Yeah, he was walking around as a cop and a prisoner in the prison and no one says anything. So yeah, those two plot holes. That, that was my last what I did not like. Next up. Um, we have number 10 on the countdown. Mr. Monk meets the Playboy. This is the eighth episode in season two. In the opening scene, we see a Hugh Hefner-esque man, Dexter Larson, in a meeting with his publisher, Elliot D'Souza. He is telling Larson that his nudie magazine company, Sapphire, is going under. Dex resists the idea, but finally concedes, only asking if he could wait until the next day to release the news. And Elliot agrees. The next scene is the following morning. Dexter calls Elliot's apartment while he was working out in his home gym. Larson makes one last plea to keep the magazine alive, but it doesn't work. When DeSuso says his final no, immediately his barbell drops to his throat. 
until he chokes to death. Monk's investigation of the case starts at the home gym. Monk knows that something is wrong in the gym, but he can't figure it out. This leads him to investigate Dexter himself at the Sapphire Mansion. When Larson's alibi, Amber Post, has holes in her story, Monk is certain it's him. The big break comes when Monk meets Noelle, the Sapphire girl from 1985. She reveals that Dexter had been leasing her an apartment, and it turns out that that apartment was right below Elliot DeSusos. When Monk searches her apartment, he finds some indentions in the carpet that are obviously from a ladder. He knows what happened. Dexter Larson originally had Sapphire Magazine as popular circuitry. He had always been into electronics and often made gadgets. He had made his own murder weapon, a giant magnet. When he knew that Elliot was on the weight bench, he flipped the switch causing the barbell to propel towards the floor, crushing his windpipe. The magnet was what was wrong with the room. Everything that was metal was pulled to the center. They find the magnet with Dexter's prints and also his alibi, Amber Post, regrets her decision and turns on him too. All right. That was Mr. Monk and the Playboy. Nice. So, Candace, what did you like about Mr. Monk and the Playboy? Okay. I actually feel like I had quite a bit. Um, I, I rather enjoy this episode. I, like Monk, don't particularly like nudie things like those kind of things make me uncomfortable. I remember Keiko saying that too. And I was like, yes, girl. Yes. Um, so my very first scene would be when Monk is flipping through the magazine. I don't know. I guess he's looking for a clue or something. And he's like, it's in here. And she's like, yep, that's it. And he's like, okay. And then he flips to the very, like the middle or something. And he like puts his hand out, like he slaps it together. Like, okay. Yeah. And then he just starts going, uh, is he a religious man? And she's yeah. like, he is now. <laughs> Uh, go get, get, get out of it. So, again, I like all the parts where Monk is uncomfortable with the naked people or, like, dirty topics. Um, it's I feel like it's really true to Monk. Yeah. But... He's only seen himself naked once. So. Yeah. I, I like to think that it's because he has a high moral compass. Not that... Not just because he doesn't yeah, yeah, like yeah. it. You know what I mean? I like to think yeah. that he's, like... Like for Trudy, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, exactly. Not not just like, oh, naked people make me uncomfortable. But he's yeah. like, no, like, I love Trudy. I'm I... still married to Trudy. Yeah. Like in his like, mind. Yeah. yeah. I like that Monk shows that he really does care. Because I know like through the season, it kind of goes back and forth with him talking to Sharona. Yeah. Sharona getting mad at him and stuff. But like him showing that he really does care for Sharona. And like how he's willing to drop the entire case and I know you and I were kind of going back and forth on whether or not this was a good thing or a bad thing, but I think it's a good thing that he was like willing to drop the case in order to protect bad pictures of Sharona from getting out. That is that is really nice. Um, to go off that, a funny part whenever she says, "Did you see those pictures?" and he, Randy? just no oh. monk. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. When he when she asks monk, "Did you see those pictures?" and he has like the longest pause, you know, and you can't see what I'm doing, but he's just basically like, uh, he's like, yeah, the longest pause ever. And then he's like, no. no. <laughs> and then she's like, oh, thank God. And then he turns around and walks away and his shoulders are all tense. And he says, yes. <laughs> and she's like, oh, that was hilarious. Yeah. It was sad that he saw the pictures, but. Um, yeah. Well, but Randy at the end yeah, kind of yeah, yeah. does the same thing. He's like, 
he's like, here's these pictures or whatever. And he burns them and throws them in the trash can. And she's like, Randy, did you look at those pictures? He's like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think he says anything. Yeah. He's just like, oh, crap. <laughs> and then walks off. Yeah, that was that was pretty good. Um, Actually, one of my favorite moments, he's caddying for her. Because oh, yeah, yeah. he says, do y'all play golf? Oh, and yeah. she's like, he's like, Sharona does. And she's like, oh, gosh, okay, I guess so. And then she goes to hit a ball and she's like, all right, give me a, give me a three club. And he's like, wait, you need one. And she's like, no, it's too big. I need a three. And he's like, no, but you need to use a one. And he's like, you're crazy. Just give me the three club. And he's like, no, it's got to go in order. And she's like, okay, give me the one. And she, he's like, all right. And she's like, now give me the two. And he gives it, and then she takes the clubs and she chunks them into the woods, and then she's like, all right, now give me the three. Now it's the first club. And he's like, okay then, and gives it to her, and he's like, was it that hard? <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I don't know. It's, I love that part. I don't know why. He's too oh, much. I love it. That's funny. Okay, I, I liked whenever he was, um, so all the, all the girls are hanging around, you know, the sapphire mansion oh my gosh i didn't put and then they all you know come in and it cuts to the scene where he's reading his uh one of trudy's poems and they're all like they're crying and he like totally killed the mood of the whole party because they're all they're crying (laughs) and the poem was really good too yeah yeah, yeah. and uh i thought that was really i don't remember what it says and he's like oh and then my love for you is forever whatever and they're all like oh and then someone comes in like hey you want to get in the pool and they're like I just want to go home. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I do. That was a that was a really funny one. I didn't. I missed that one. Um, this one's really goofy. When Randy is interrogating the oh Amber Post in in the interrogation room, and he's like, "I know you're a liar because you never mentioned that you had a kid in your profile, and you didn't mention blah blah blah." And she's like, uh, just so you know, those profiles are fake. And he's like, oh. <laughs> like he's shocked. I love that. Completely he's, shocked. He's mad that they're fake. Yeah. Okay. I have one more thing. Yeah. And it's a really great moment. Um, Sharona and Benji's talk. Oh, yeah. yeah that yeah. is a great moment. It's a great acting by Biddy Shram and Benji. It was great acting by Benji also. And once again, it shows that Benji is a really solid kid. In that scene, right, she's has to be really serious with him. Like, you know what? These pictures are going to get out. And if they do, you know, it's because I've put away a really bad guy, you know, and your friends might be talking about it at school. And then, you know, Benji, she's crying while she's saying this. And Benji's like, Mom, you can't just let a bad guy go just because I might have a bad day at school. Yeah. That was really really sweet. sweet. Yeah. And then, sorry, I have one more thing is connected. I don't know why, but uh, a bad A Sharona moment. Whenever she finds out that Monk is being blackmailed by Dex and she confronts him in his little basement where he makes his little gadgets or whatever. And she calls him a porn peddling creep. And if you come after me and my son, I'll make sure that your life is ruined, basically. Yeah. I was like, oh, snap. And then she comes back in and she's like, let's take down this SOB. And he's like, what about the pictures? And she's like, forget about the pictures. We're taking him down. I was yeah. like, oh, snap, that Sharona. Yep, yep, yep. Oh, that's, that's all for what I have, for what I like. What'd you have on don't? Dexter Larson, okay, he's a creep, and he's a pig, and, of course, a murderer. I just really dislike 
pervy murderers. Um, I don't know why, but the whole Sharona thing that he even mentions Benji, Mm -hmm. like, oh, I know Sharona has a son. Like, what a creep. Mm -hmm. You're literally threatening to to send out naked pictures of a child's mother mentioning the child. Yeah. How messed up could you possibly be? Exactly. Like, that's crazy. That was, I kind of only had one overarching thing was just the whole playboy kind of aspect of it. Like. Yeah. And the, and and him, like being the kingpin of it all, you know, and being this creeper weirdo. Yeah, and I like how it's guy. so like Hugh Hefner. Like, I mean, it's it, yeah. it he is supposed to be Hugh Hefner because yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Sapphire Playboy, Dexter Larson, Hugh yeah. Hefner, and they make him a murderer and everything. It's kind of weird, yeah. but whatever. Oh, I have something else that I liked that I didn't put was the magnet thing. Oh, you did like that. Yeah. I like that a lot. I feel like that one's really clever um we did find a plot hole with the magnet disregarding the fact that maybe he could have like slid the bar to the side yeah like we felt like it's crushing his windpipe but if the magnet was that strong it would have tilted the bar to like one side because the bar was already kind of tilted and it would have just like flung to the floor and then he would have been freed so it was kind of a plot hole but i really like the magnet part when they're at the mansion and he takes dexter's uh, statue and puts it on the table and then Randy's uh. underneath the table and he turns the magnet off and Monk is able to lift it and then he turns it back on and Dex can't lift it yeah. and so he's like we found it yeah and yeah that was yeah, awesome that's that was good. awesome yeah. so I think we're at this is the last of the bottom of the eight yeah okay awesome here we go Mr. Monk goes to the ball game. This is the third episode in season two. In the open, we see Lawrence Hammond, a billionaire software tycoon, and his wife being berated by TV reporters with questions of Mr. Hammond misleading his investors. Then we see the couple get into their car and input their GPS system to Skyline Hills Resort. When it says they've arrived, they are both confused as it's clear they are not at the resort. They drive into a secluded parking lot where a masked assailant is waiting for them. As soon as they park, he shoots right through the window and kills them both instantly. Monk is called in for the high-profile case. He realizes that the wife was the first victim, so the perp was after her. He finds out that she was having an affair with a famous baseball player, Scott Gregorio. It turns out that he had been getting harassed recently, requiring bodyguards. Monk knows it's all connected but doesn't know how. So what happened was Gregorio was about to break the home run record of Daryl Grant, and the man who had caught Grant's record-breaking ball back in the day was trying to protect its worth, estimated at at least a million dollars. He had tried harassing Gregorio, tried breaking his arm, but when that didn't work, he decided to kill his girlfriend, Mrs. Hammond, to throw him off his game. Ultimately, it works, but the ball is chewed up in the end by his Doberman pincher, Toby. Oh, hey, Toby. Mm-hmm. Toby? Toby, release. Um, so what did you like about this episode? Um, I kind of liked two, two things. They kind of go hand in hand. Um, with Monk and Benji, their kind of relationship of how even though, you know, we talked about earlier, like Monk doesn't really like kids, but he does like Benji, um, things like that. But um, him helping Benji, giving him the pep talk. Yes, um, I have that. Even though it wasn't really helping at all, but yeah. it, it was really funny. Where, But they obviously have an understanding of like, look, like, I'm going to talk to you. Just act like I'm doing something. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. they have a relationship where they both understand that. I think even Benji says, like, 
Like, what do you? Why, why, why did you she doing? want you to talk to yeah, me? Yeah, why she want you to talk to me? Um, so I thought that was really funny, where he's like doing hand signals, like baseball hand, hand signals. signals, like. And then Ben, he's like, hold the bat like this, and Benji's <clears throat> like, no, 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 it's like this. Yeah. And he teaches Monk how to hold the bat. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. But uh, oh, sorry, the the one that goes hand in hand there, that though, is Monk once he gets um the baseball player to like come there, and he's like, and he's like, oh, if you ever need anything, and he's like, the first thing he thinks of is actually. And then it cuts to the scene where he's helping Benji with his swing. Oh, yeah. I actually have that. Because I, I put Monk uses his favor for Benji. I mm-hmm. had never noticed that before. Yeah. So, yeah. I never noticed that before. Um, I like Monk's cute joke about him and Trudy buying the house. So they walk, him and Sharona walk yes. into the house. And this door is like, how tall do you think that door was? Like 20 feet tall. 20 feet tall at least. So two basketball goals high. And they open the door and they're like, you notice it's a huge door. And then Monk says, you know, me and Trudy almost bought this house. And Sharona's like, really? And then she's like, did you just make a joke? Yep. That was so cute. That and was he says, good. me and Trudy almost bought this house. So, um, the whenever Monk is explaining to Stottlemyre and Randy the mnemonic device. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I love this one. It's one of my favorite Monk lines G ever. stands for girl. Because <laughs> uh, he's like, I figured out what uh, girls can't eat 15 pizzas means. And Stottlemyre was like, okay. And he was like, it's a mnemonic device. And he's like, yeah, I know. I get it. And he's like, G stands for girl. It's... So amazing how Monk, oh my gosh, I can't yeah. even. It's so she good. Stands for girl. I love oh. That. Okay, I have two more things, but my first one's another quote. Monk and Sharona come into the station, right? And they think that the killer was after the wife. But Stottlemyre's like, no, obviously they were after the billionaire, like, forget about it. And they come in and they're like, Captain, we figured out that uh, Mrs. Hammond was having an affair with someone. And Stottlemyre's like, congratulations, the wife was having an affair. Yeah, I, I can't ignore that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> he, like, tries to discount him. <laughs> oh, I love that part. So I never, this is my plot thing. So I never really cared for the plot of this one, but I realize now watching it as I was taking notes that it, it does have a lot of good quotes, but also that the baseball player is actually a really good guy yeah. and that him and Monk connect about like their lost loves and it's really sweet. Um, I feel like maybe I just didn't like this episode previously because baseball records are like my pet peeve and yeah, so... Not baseball in particular, but sports records. Yeah. I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't care if this guy played for the fifth time on his birthday since 1975. Like, who cares? So. Yeah. I just have a pet peeve about sports records. So is that a didn't like one? Um, is it? Oh, no, 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 no. No, I liked it because I th- I thought that I didn't like this episode that much. Like, when I started watching it, gotcha. I was like, oh, I don't like this one. <clears throat> but then when I started writing down all the funny stuff, and I realized that I actually did like the baseball player, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I always thought, like, who cares about the baseball player? But then whenever I saw he did the favor for Benji and that him and Monk bond over their lost loves, that I was like, oh, yeah, this mm-hmm. isn't bad. Yeah. So. Uh, one thing I didn't like was whenever he wipes off the signature on the ball. Oh, like, yeah. He's not stupid. Yeah. Yeah. I know that's a fine line to, like, balance as a writer, I'm sure. But, like, I felt like that was 
passing that line into stupid. He doesn't know what a signature ball is. That's what I think is funny when Monk doesn't know stuff, but yet he knows everything. Yes. Like, I know all this random stuff, mm-hmm. but then a normal thing that anyone would always do, he wouldn't. He doesn't know that. Okay, that's not exactly what I have in my notes. I do have that on another <clears throat> episode coming up, but... I have, does Monk have an eye, what is this called? An eidetic memory where people have, where they remember everything from every single day of their lives. So does he have that kind of memory or not? Because they have different things. It's kind of like what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Like he knows some facts and he doesn't know other facts, but. Um, well, yeah, kind of. Right. It's, no, I'm saying it's, it's different. What I'm saying is different because like, so. If he can, he can't know things that he has never heard of, right? Yeah, yeah. But then, for like example, he can't remember the face of the guy. He's like, I've seen that face, but I can't remember where I've seen it. I yeah. remember, but I can't remember. I remember, but I can't remember. But so, can you remember everything, or can you not remember everything? Exactly. He has other moments like that, right? Where it's not a fact. <clears throat> like again, you can't know something that you've never heard, but you, if you always remember everything, then you can't forget something. Yeah. So. Um, other thing was, um, Stottlemyre being a cheater. Yep. And letting his 14 year old kid and then acting like he's not a big deal. Yep. Yeah. I have that. Um, so I'm actually a middle school coach and yeah, I have that non-eligible kids. That's the worst. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We were like, okay, that's a full grown man. Like you can't be playing against these little kids. Yeah. I don't like that. So Monk is the umpire, right? And he does, like, a lot of OCD things. Uh, But what I didn't like, because, okay, we know Monk is indecisive, but he is a decisive person when he knows things, right? So kind of, again, tying into what you're saying, when the kid does a strike, and he's like, strike! And then he's like, wait, no, ball. Oh, strike! Like, he would know whether... It is a ball or a strike. If there's a strike zone, Monk actually, I feel like, would be a very good umpire because he'd be very definitive, like, no, that was a ball. But he's not making a decision. Right, but what I'm saying is that it's not a a choice, though. Yeah, exactly. It's not really a choice. It's a, for him, where other people, it's like, oh, I'll have some discretion or it's a ball strike. But for Monk, it's like, he would know where the strike zone is and he would say, it is a ball or it is a strike. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, is that all you had for dislike? Yeah. Okay. Um, so let's see what well, other else? than the, the monk umpire thing. Like, oh, okay. I didn't like that where he's like doing the plate and doing all that. Like, yeah. yeah, I feel like, again, I feel like they could have made him, uh, a better umpire. Yeah. Like it, he, they could have used his traits, his good traits and his bad traits, but they just used yeah. all of his bad traits. As disabling. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, so I'll just say my last thing would be. Um, I keep calling him Dwight. <laughs> in Dwight's apartment, Stottlemyre yells at Monk as if he can get the ball from the dog. Yeah. Like, nobody else can get the ball away from the dog. And then Stottlemyre's like, Monk! Like, what are you going to do to try to help get the, like... Toby, shit! Yeah. You don't think giant dogs is on the list of phobias somewhere? Exactly. Because I'm pretty sure that it is. And then so the dog comes charging at Monk... So he opens the door to let the dog out. Like, Mm -hmm. I think I would have done the same thing. Yeah. Like, I'm almost certain that if a Doberman Pinscher who was aggressive like that was coming at me, I would have opened the door. So um, I didn't like that part. 
Um, I think, I think that's it. Um, so yeah, I think we are going to cut it right here. We're going to take a little junk break and we will be back with our top eight episodes of season two. All right. Later, Gators. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Junk Monk Podcast. We'd love to hear from you, so please rate and review us wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, follow us at Junk Monk Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. If you want to know more about Candace, she is at Hardens and Hardhats on Instagram. And if you want to know more about me, John H., just re-listen to this episode. Also, don't forget to catch up on Monk with Amazon Prime Video. Don't forget to subscribe to our show. You'll thank me later.